Welcome to Grace again. It's an exciting morning so far, right? We've been having a good time. Please don't get distracted by my feet. It's happened before. So I, I was going to put shoes back on, but you know what? It's holy ground right now, so we'll just keep rolling with it. Amen? So it's been a good morning. Hey, we've been doing this series, so if you're just joining with us, hey, make sure you take out that bulletin. Inside, you're going to find a listening guy that's going to help you to follow along and help you to take notes. And so we started this series with two other churches, believe it or not. One's in Arkansas. And one's in Maryland. And so we've actually been partnering together with these two churches to actually do this series. And Marvel has been kind of the overarching theme. Now, before you think you're going to learn about Marvel comic book heroes, that's just the theme, okay? It's just straight up Bible. Somebody was like, you're going to tell us like about Thor? I don't know much about Thor. If you want to know about Thor, ask my son. He is like a comic book expert. But now why would I wear Thor? I know some of you are comic book people. Where are they? Jeff. When we're going to be talking about Storm today. Okay, I, first of all, okay, there's only one superwoman in my life. Okay, and that's Susan. Okay, as you learned last, if you were here last week and you saw the actual movie, Seth said, Mom's not like a superhero. Mom is a superhero. And if you were here, you got to learn that she makes more money than I do. And that's why she's a superhero. Yeah. And she is. And so, so I thought I would just do something different with uh, Thor. So what we're going to talk about storms, but before we get there, let me catch you up. So the first week we talked about how Jesus in Mark 6, 6 marveled at the unbelief of the people that were there. And we said, you know, when he marvels at something, we would prefer that he marvel at our belief, not our unbelief. The second week we actually talked about ants and we talked about how God still honors the diligent work of people when they work, especially when they work for God. Last week we talked about, you know, vision and mom's vision for her kids. And we did that right out of Proverbs 31. We looked at a guy named King Lemuel, if you were here, which is a really cool story. Learned about how moms are actually have a vision in their prayer life over their kids, even before they're born. If you're a mother and you missed Mother's Day last week and you normally are a tender here, you're, you know, this is like there's Mother's Day gifts. Let us know we still got some more Mother's Day gifts for you. So it was pretty cool. And if you were on social media, I asked you to post that week, post something that your mom taught you or a saying that your mom had. Can I tell you my favorite was not spiritual at all. My favorite when I was going down the social media was someone said, mom used to tell me, don't pick your nose or your eyeballs will fall out. That was my favorite <laughs> on Facebook. I just thought that was awesome. I thought it was awesome. And so we're going to look this week at storm, and we're going to look at storms of life. And here's the reality. If you've been living for any amount of time, you've probably been through a storm. So, or you're about to go through a storm, or you've just gone through a storm, and you're wondering, what is God doing, right? What is he doing? So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at that out of the book of Mark. So at Mark 4, and we're going to start in verse 35. If you've got a Bible, open it up. If you've got an electronic device, you want to go there, go there. And there's a pew Bible in front of you, and inside the notes are the page numbers listed so that you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible, you can take that pew Bible. It's okay. If you're on the front row, it's underneath you, okay? So let's look at this passage out of Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, this is Jesus, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Verse 40. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? 
Even the wind and waves obey him. I don't know about you, but I grew up um, before technology had quite hit, okay? So right before the information age kind of came into play. I mean, my first computer was when I was a teenager, and it was an Atari. Does anybody remember Atari? Okay, Commodore 64. I still have one in the attic, and my wife's like, will you please get rid of that? I'm like, it'll be worth money one day. Just wait. That's what I do. You know, that's what we do, right? And so because of that, we didn't have, like, our phones. You pull out your phone, you track the actual storm, and you knew when the front was coming, and we didn't have that. What we had was you kind of looked up and you kind of things would change, right? The temperature would change. You'd feel a difference in the air, right? And you'd look up and you literally could see the front. And I remember growing up knowing certain things about storms. And then when the storm hit, you, you hunkered down, right? And then after the storm was over, you kind of went around, you checked out your neighbors and you said, you know, are my neighbors okay? Let me see how everybody's doing. This is the way it worked before there was tech, before we could pull out your phone and actually track the storm. And that's the way it would go. When I was looking at this passage, I couldn't help but come back to that and use that as a template. So we're going to look at this literal storm that Jesus and his disciples went through, but I want you to be thinking about the storms of your life, the storms that come when you're in the middle of a storm and the aftermath of the storm. And I want to actually explain how this can actually apply to your life and to mine on how Jesus can interact in each of those different seasons of that storm. So let's look at that. So first question is, what's the forecast look like for you today? What's the forecast look like for you? So um, Dr. Tony Evans says every person is either about to go through a storm, they're in a storm, or they just finished a storm. I think he's right on. So if you don't know who he is, you can look him up. That guy can preach, okay? If you're like, the guy here wasn't very good, go listen to Tony Evans. He's much better, okay? But here's the, you're going to go through it. So what's the forecast look like for you? And the first thing is the calm before the storm. The calm before the storm. If you grew up and you were a storm watcher, you knew what this felt like. Look at it, it says in verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. You got to understand, if they saw a storm coming, do you think they would have jumped in the boat? So everything was calm. Everything looked good, you know? Jesus is already in the boat, we know, contextually, because he's actually teaching them. It's pretty cool. They pushed his boat out, and he's actually teaching different people some pretty cool stuff. They're amazed at his teaching. And then they, after that, he says, go ahead and jump in. We're going to go to the other side. And these storms came up quickly because it was on the Lake of Galilee. If you don't know anything about this lake, let me just give you the dimensions of it, and that'll put it in context for you. Because we think of lakes... You know, we're more river folks around here, right? You think of lakes, it's kind of hard for us to get our mind around it. But this, this lake was eight miles wide. Now think about that, eight miles wide. Most towns are about six miles apart. It was 13 miles tall. This is no small lake. And it was well known by everyone there that these storms came up quickly and that they were violent. And you couldn't always see them coming. If you grew up here on the eastern shore, you probably know this. If a storm comes from the west, it's just a regular storm generally, right? It's just a front. If you start to feel wind blow from the southeast and you see a front coming, what's that? Yeah, that's a nor'easter or a hurricane, right? Before we had any tech, if we saw it coming from that direction, we knew it. this is not going to be a good storm. It's going to be bad. And this one was like that. It was bad news. And this happens not only with storms, but it happens in our lives, doesn't it? You're going along with life and everything seems fine and everybody's healthy and the family's doing well and you've got your job and finances are good. Things are just kind of clicking along, right? And you don't see it coming. But all of a sudden you get a sense that something's about to hit, that something is about to change. One of those things that happened in my life was when my mom got cancer. Everything was going along fine. I had just got out of the Navy. I'd come back. I'd finally got a job. I landed a job. It was a good job, you know, starting a family. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere... 
Mom's got cancer again. And this time it was the kind of cancer we finally figured out there, there's no way to cure it. It's an incurable cancer. And that storm came out of nowhere. I did not see it coming, and it just flattened me. And before that, there was the calm before the storm. Everything in life just looked like it was good. And, and by the way, this is normal. This is kind of how life goes. If you've ever gone through a storm, it feels this way. The second thing you're going to see when you're talking about this forecast of where you may be in this process is the storm itself, right? The storm. So you got the calm before the storm, and then the storm hits. Verse 37 says, a furious squall. Boy, that's almost like an Eastern Shore kind of word, isn't it? Squall, okay? A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, and it was nearly swamped. Now, I want you to understand, the people in this boat, they're experienced fishermen. These are watermen. So when they see a storm, most storms don't terrify them. They don't bother them. They're used to going through storms. That's normal for them. So the fact that this was furious and it was messing with them and it was crazy was a big deal. And it it brought everything. They just wanted the storm to stop. You ever been through something like that? You're going through the storm and you're like, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I don't know what the purpose is for it. I just want it to stop. It's just too much. I can't handle it. And that's what these people were talking about. That's exactly what's happening in this passage. And for you, it could be work. It could be a money issue. It could be just stuff around you that just, or just all this together, just piling on top of you. Extracurricular stuff. How many, how many parents today feel like that they're the bus for their kid? You know, they just run them from here and there and there, and they can't get a break to even slow down long enough to just be at home. It, these storms can look different, they can feel different, and they can come from anywhere. But when you're in the middle, you just, you just get this point. You're so stressed. I just want it to stop. So why is that? Well, C.S. Lewis, some of you read C.S. Lewis, and he's, he's a good person to read. I know Hunter's a big C.S. Lewis fan. And he says, you'll know this quote then, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pains. So now does that mean that God designs a nasty situation so he can get your attention? I don't think so. I just don't see the malice in God's heart that way. But I think God knows how we are wired, how we're put together. And sometimes we're just trotting along in life, the calm before the storm, we don't see it coming, and then bang, it hits, and he knows, man, they need me more than ever in this situation. They need me more than ever in this storm. And he knows that in the pain of that, we become more receptive. We, become, we come to a place where we actually hear his voice. And I think that's what C.S. Lewis is echoing. We hear him best sometimes in the pain, not necessarily in the really good times. And the third part of the storm you see is the aftermath. The aftermath. Verse 41 says, they were terrified and they asked each other. Now I want you to think about that for a second. Remember, these are experienced people and they asked each other, what's going on? What about the storm? What are we going to do? Can you imagine? And Jesus in the whole time was asleep back on a cushion in the back of the boat. I've never met. He, he was exhausted. He was physically exhausted. When I think of this aftermath, the first picture I, I came with is right after we'd have a storm, you'd go around town, like I said, and you'd go to your neighbors and you'd ask them, how are you doing? You'd look for limbs that are down. You'd look for people that were in need. We would do that. You'd just drive literally around the town. And you're looking for people who need help, you know, or your neighbors have come to your aid, and they're helping you. This is the aftermath of the storm. And sometimes it's because the people that have been hit hardest by the storm, they're just immobile at that point, aren't they? They're just so crippled by the heinous nature, the violent nature of the storm. 
After my, some of you know some of my story, but my brother died of cancer at an early age. And when he died, after he died, I was just crippled. I don't know if you've ever been crippled by that level of grief. But right after he died, the night that he died, I remember we went and stayed with a cousin because we were in Baltimore and I didn't want to make the drive back after being so tired. And I'm just sitting there, I can't sleep. I'm just literally crippled by the grief, by the loss. And trying to wrestle with it and think through it, you can't even think about it at that point. You're just kind of dealing with what's coming at you. And my wife was smart enough and wise enough just to hold me. And I remember there were just that night, you just sat there at times and the grief would come so heavy and so in waves that you would just kind of let it come and it would break upon you just like these waters. And you would just cry. You would just weep. This is what storms look like. There's the aftermath that comes. But here's the other thing about that aftermath. I'll never forget how my, my small group and my friends after that storm rallied around me, came to my home, asked what I needed. How can I serve you? How can I help you? This is what storms look like. And they happen in every age and every phase of our lives. It's not just for young people. It's not just for middle-aged people. It's not just for older people. These storms come, and you never know when they're coming. I want you to hear a testimony from somebody who recently went through a storm. If you've not met Jack yet, hopefully you'll meet him after the service because a lot of people like to hang out after the service. But Jack's been here for a long time. This is a man who served in the military. He retired from the Navy. He's someone who's not, he's seen his share of not only of storms but of hairy situations. Jack served at this church for a long time. He's given his life to Jesus for a long season. And even in the midst of that season, you're going to hear how Jack came to a point where he's like, God... What are you doing? You're going to see these same three dynamics of storms, but I want you to hear how he found Jesus in the midst of the storm. So listen to Jack's story. One thing I've always wanted to be is, is be service. Uh, the Bible tells me that we're supposed to be in service. That once we become a Christian, we're to serve just as the Lord served as us. And uh, September of uh, last year, uh, I had to go to the hospital for surgery. I had a, they, they came in, they took uh, 18 centimeters of my colon out. And uh, right after that they had done that, uh, some infection set in, they had to deal with that. I got into some bad breathing problems. Uh, my lungs filled up liquid. And I just felt like I was drowning. And, and then one night, fortunately, the nurse was having to be back in the back end of the ward where I was. And uh, I started, I just couldn't breathe. I, was, I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get the mucus and, and all the stuff that I had in me. I couldn't get it up or down. And even though I had a suction cup, a suction tube there, uh, it wasn't working at that time. And I remember that the nurse was there and I just kept, I couldn't even talk, but I was thrashing in my bed. And she noticed me and, and I, the last thing I remember, or she said, he's coding. And I don't remember anything after that until, I don't know, probably an hour or so later that I was, I came to and I was in the ER and they were treating me with all kinds of stuff. So that led me to be in the hospital another, I think, 
three weeks there to get that straightened out. It was at that time that I was questioning the Lord. You know, I've been so active and everything, and all of a sudden I'm just, I can't do anything. And I was questioning, why? And I, that's when I thought about Job and his condition. And, I, I, and I'm grateful that, they put, that the Lord put the story of Job in the Bible because it allowed me to identify. And so I know the outcome of what Job was. And I said, well, maybe there's hope for me too. Uh, one day, I was reading the Bible and, and uh, reading in James. And the first thing right out of James, he says, count it joy. And I said, how in the world can you count it joy when I feel like I'm being punished? Uh, but I went on and, and read further and understood what he meant by joy. Uh, the joy part was that the Lord had picked you for some some other purpose, that he's preparing you for something else in your life down the line somewhere. But that gave me hope. And what that did is it taught me a big lesson in trust. Uh, David said in the Psalms, he says, I trust in the Lord. Matter of fact, in the Bible, there's many, many verses in there that says trust in the Lord. And if you think about it, He's the only trustworthy person we know. So I, I, I took that and said, okay, I trust you, Lord. Whatever comes along, I trust you, and that's the way I'll just uh, conduct my life. I think I have a closer, more personal relationship with the Lord because of this, that, that I know that I can depend on Him no matter what it is. No matter what troubles I have, I know that I can trust him that there's going to be some good come out of it somewhere. I think that when you go through trials, when you have, you're facing either health problems or relationship problems or financial problems, whatever it may be, when you put your trust in Jesus, he will satisfy you. He will bring you peace. And today I'm, I'm at peace at all. I pray every morning when I pray, I thank God for the peace that I have. Well, if anybody's facing problems, like most people my age, it's, it's, it's uh, illness. Uh, you know, it's a real serious illness, but then people my age are, are facing those, those kind of illness problems. But for the younger people, you may be facing financial problems. Uh, you may be facing relationship problems. And as you face these, uh, I would suggest that you, first of all, get in the Bible. Uh, well, I, I, I back up and I say, first of all, you should get on your knees. And then as you get on your knees, don't start talking. Start listening. And see how God direct your mind because uh, you know God speaks to us but not in the voice that we you know understand one person talking to another 
but he makes you get on your knees and get that quiet time. You'll find that your mind is being directed somewhere. And you'll find that that will direct you either to scripture or it will give you, again, peace in how to handle the situation and to uh, be able to cope with the situation. Amen. So, yeah, you can clap. It's okay. Jack's like, my story was longer than that. It was, Jack. I had to I brought her down a little bit, but I wanted people to hear the, the, the heart of your story because I think there's pieces of his story that are universal to any trial you're going through, any storm you're going through. I felt them as I listened to his story. And so let me share how you can respond whether you're in the front end of the storm, whether you're in the midst of the storm, or you're in the aftermath of the storm, there's three ways I think you can respond, and you can respond with faith and see God do something miraculous in the midst or in before or after the storm. So let's do the first one. So here's what I want you to know. You want Jesus in your boat. You want Jesus in your boat. I don't know how people do it, okay? I don't know how they do it. People that don't have a living relationship with Jesus, how do they go through some of these trials? How do they go through some of these really hard and difficult things that they're going through in life? I don't understand it. It's crushing. It's difficult enough. But when Jesus is in the boat, it makes a world of difference. Verse 36 said, leaving the crowd behind. Think about that. In other words, leaving everybody else, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. So wherever you are with Christ, the big thing is, is you need to put him in the boat because the storm is going to come. I remember when I was a student pastor, I was a student pastor for about five years and we had a a student death that had happened in the community. It was a young woman who had died uh, with her mom in a car accident. There's something about a, a difficult situation that sometimes brings things again into focus. And a lot of the kids, I watched this happen. The ones that already had Jesus in the boat, it was hard for them but they knew they had their best friend in Christ right alongside them to help them navigate and be with them through this situation. But you also saw very quickly kids that had been playing church. You know what I'm talking about? They've been playing with their faith because their faith and their world fell apart to such an extent it was almost irrecoverable. I watched it happen again and again and again. And as the person who's been working with these kids for like the last five years, I already knew which kids were playing church and which ones were serious about their faith. And when I saw it happen, the ones that were playing church, everything fell apart. The other ones, they still had pain, they still had hurt, but they had Christ fully to lean on. So if you're at a place and you don't know, is Jesus in my boat or not? That's where you start. How do you know he's in the boat? Because you've put all of your hope, you've put all your trust, you put everything in him. Jack said it several times. I don't know a lot, but here's what I know. You trust him. You trust him. You trust in the Lord. What do you trust in? You trust in what Christ has done. That he lived the perfect life that none of us can live. He lived on this planet for three, 33 and a half years. He did not commit sin in thought or in deed. Not one sin. And he takes that perfect life and he puts it on rep- in a representational way for you and I when he goes to the cross. He pays for every sin that you and I did commit or committing and will commit. And when we say, I put all of my trust and all of my hope solely in him, when we do that, God says, look, here's the reality. That's all I'm looking for. 
We say that a lot here at Grace and say it with our kids in a very simple way. It's admitting that each one of us have fault, that each one of us falls short of God's glory, believing fully in what Christ has done for us on the cross. He paid for my sin personally and yours. And we commit our life fully to him. That's what this looks like. For people that have done that, he's in the boat, okay? That's the first thing. So when you push out from the waters and you're about to go across that lake and that storm's about to hit, at least he's in the boat. If you've never done that, you can do that with me by prayer, or you could do that at home. All you got to remember is men, A, B, C, admitting your fault, believing fully in what he's done, and committing your life to him. He'll take you right where you are, trust me. I prayed in a bathroom at a boys' camp, okay? If he can meet me there, he can meet you anywhere, all right? Number two, you want Jesus awake. You want Jesus awake. There's a lot of people that they put their hope and their trust in Jesus, okay? He's in the boat, but he's asleep and in the back. And he's not asleep in the back because he's exhausted in your situation. He's asleep and in the back because that's where we've chosen to put him. We've put him on the cushion in the back. We want him in the back seat of the car, right? We don't want him in the front seat because sometimes he says things and does things that we don't like. We don't want to live our life that way. We don't want to believe that way. The disciples had a picture of who Jesus was, and it comes out in the text. I don't know if you caught it. 38 says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't miss that little word, teacher. They didn't see him as Lord yet. They didn't see him as Savior yet. They were marginal in their faith, and they said, don't you care if we drown? Been a lot different, I think, if they would have said, hey, we know that you're the creator of the universe. We know you could deal with any situation. I know you're tired, but can you get up and tell the waves to shut up? Okay, if they'd have had that kind of faith, he would have gotten up a little different. The reason he rebukes their lack of faith is because they'd put their faith in other stuff instead of solely in him. And that's evident. So that's when in seasons in this life, I think about the difference in losing my mom and losing my brother. And I'll show you what I mean. When I lost my mom, I was in the middle of rededicating my faith because I I, had put Jesus in the back seat. He was in the back seat. It was hard. It was a hard transition. When I lost my brother, I was living for Christ in a way that was more full. The pain was still real. The grief was still real. But the presence of God in the situation through the person of Jesus was radically different. It was radically different. And that's what I want you to see. We go through these seasons, and if he's asleep in your boat, you need to wake him up. How do you do that? You rededicate your life. You renew this relationship with Christ. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in church. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in a Bible study. Maybe it's been a while since you've met with someone who's someone who's invested in you and your faith, and you need to renew that relationship with Christ. You renew it the same way you started it. Isn't that cool? He's never left, by the way. He's just asleep in the boat. You need to awaken your faith for yourself again. And all you do, again, is admitting that you've been wayward, believing that he's already done the work because you can't add to this work. He's already finished all that work. You just put all of your faith in him again and say, look, I'm messed up, God, again. I'm just renewing my faith fully in you. That's a beautiful thing. That's called a renewal. And the third thing is you want Jesus larger than life. You want Jesus larger than life. I love their response. You got to love it. In verse 39, he got up, he rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, think about this, who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and even the waves obey him. Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe, are you a place in your life where Jack was? You know, you're going to go through difficult times, you're going to go through hard seasons, but you hopefully will still be asking the question, who 
is this. Because if you're really evolving in your faith and you're growing in your faith, you're learning new things and experiencing new things about Christ all the time. It doesn't stop when you just pray and receive him or rededicate. He's actually growing inside of you week by week and day by day and month by month. And as you see that happen, you're always asking the question, who is this? And you want to have conversations with other people around you to say, who is he? Do you know him? Have you met him? Do you need to renew that relationship with him? That's what I love about it. I was bicycling yesterday. My wife's like, oh, you know, she gardens, I bicycle. Gardening to me is like, that's hell, okay? If God designed a perfect hell for me, it would be gardening, okay? Because it reminds me of farming, and I grew up on a farm, okay? And so when I see that, all I see is work, okay? And she's like, this is fun. I'm like, that is not fun. Yeah, it's not fun. So I'm out cycling, and I'm coming through um, the town where I live, and I'm coming up to a, 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 this one place. I'm trying to figure out, do I go this way, do I go that way, do I go that way? How much further do I want to go? And I picked one way at random, thought it was at random, and I ended up getting stopped. Okay, not by the cops. That'd be funny on a bike, wouldn't it? And I, get, I get stopped because they're doing road construction. What is it, by the way, with this season of life? Okay, this season, you know, in our year, everybody's got road construction going on. So I get stopped, and it's a one-way thing. And, you know, me, I'm, I'm outgoing. I couldn't help it. So the guy holding the sign, I'm like, where'd you grow up? I just struck up a conversation. Next thing I know, I find out he's not been in church forever, but his wife's very dedicated to church. We start talking. We start talking about his faith, you know. And where he was in his faith. This is all while sitting at a stop sign waiting for them to flip the stinking sign. I think I made the traffic jam worse because he talked longer. And I'm like, is he ever going to turn the actual sign, you know, so I can actually go? But we had this wonderful conversation. He's like, you're right, I need to renew my journey. And my wife's been going to church by herself a long time. And I just need to get back in. You have have to have a larger view of Jesus. He's larger in life, and he is actually orchestrating for you, each one of you, if you've been a believer for a season, an encounter. And you're going to talk to someone, and you're going to share your faith with them. And it can be as simple as just saying, how's your day going, and seeing how it opens up. Wendy Wendy was recently at a place, and she asked that same question. The woman broke down in tears, and she got to pray with her in a store. These encounters happen for people that see that Jesus is larger than life. Who is this man? They're still intrigued. So here's my last question, my last thought for you, is if you're taking on water right now, if you're taking on water, you need to ask this question, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? You know, is he in the boat? If he's not, you need to put him in the boat. Don't leave here until you put him in the boat. If he's kind of asleep and in the back, you need to wake him up and say, Lord, I've been trying to navigate the waters by myself, and I'm not very good at it. So I want you right up here up front, not in the back. And if you've been walking with him for a while, you're like, I just want other people to know who you are because, man, the journey with you is so much more full and so much more fun when you're in the forefront. So here's what I want to do. I know that you're either getting ready to go through a storm. I know some of you are right now in the middle of a storm. And I know some of you just finished a storm. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have the band come back up and play a song just, just for you to reflect upon. But while you're reflecting upon it, take that bulletin out and tear off that connect card. Because here's what I'm going to ask you to do with that connect card. If you're going through a storm, you're about to go through a storm, you've got a friend going through a storm, or you've just been through a storm, tell us how to pray for you. If there's something you need right now in the midst of your storm, communicate it. Tell the church. Let the church gather around you. You do not have to go through a storm alone. 